1: It is a football Thursday here on Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac
2: buds, John McMullen and Jerry McDonald. Uh, J-Mac, 150 days until the first Sunday of the season. 150,
0: wow. 150.
2: Creeping up on me. We, we're counting down, Uh more importantly, 14 days until uh, the NFL draft and round one, day one. Eagles will have, a, has a, as of now, two picks, not three, two. And we'll even be two by the time we get to draft day. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, So we've got plenty to break down on today's show. Got two uh, good guests. Um, Two Philly guys. One guy who's not a Philly guy anymore, but he's going to be a Philly guy forever as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Marcus Hayes is going to join us coming up later this hour. And then uh, Rob Motti, our buddy from the Associated Press, will jump aboard in hour number two. Uh, J-Mac, what are your plans for the next couple of days?
0: Oh, uh Ton of draft stuff. I mean, it is. You may. I was joking about the season creeping up on me 150 days, but the draft, yeah. Oof. It's, uh, I'm in the midst of all my previews, and that is a grind, as they say. So, right, yeah, well, if... I wish, I wish the draft was 150 days.
2: <laughs> uh, no, you only got 14 to get ready for that. Uh, the reason that I asked was if you want to take a break, uh, yours truly is Home Alone. Oh, wow. Uh, My my two girls, one of which doesn't live home anymore. It's been a couple of years since she moved into Philadelphia, but she comes home on a bunch of different weekends. Uh, My two lady friends, my daughter and my wife, left this morning for a long girls weekend in the great state of Maine, where... My wife uh, went on vacation every summer for her entire life. Her father is uh, originally from Maine. And she and I have done many a vacation over the past 30 years that uh, we've been either going out or married. Uh, And my daughter, because we've taken her up there a bunch of times, has also fallen in love with the place. So way back when on Christmas, uh, both my daughter and I combined on a present for my wife to get away for a long weekend. I'm paying for basically everything, uh, but my daughter is giving up her time to go away with her mom for four days to have fun up in Maine. So it's just me and the pooch around the house. So if you that, want to stop over, that all- is, yeah,
0: that it now. Could you hide your excitement? Because I have a tough time hiding my excitement. Um, now, while I say that as a fellow married person, that first twenty-four hours is maybe the greatest. <laughs> in the world, but then you start to go, uh, uh
2: you know, then it starts to get it's, a little bit. It's worse. four days. The first yeah. day or two is going to be phenomenal, and the third or fourth, I'm going to go. Now, when are they coming back again? Yeah. Let me exactly. check the calendar, I guess.
0: Exactly, every time that's yeah. the way it happens. Uh, but exactly. that first day, enjoy it because it's glorious. But it's I'll tell glorious. you what
2: I did yesterday, and I can't cook to save my life, but uh. We're, we're ShopRite people. I'll go to any uh, good grocery store, but we got a good right here in my hometown. Um, and if you spend enough money, you get a free holiday entree. Uh, you want that Like Thanksgiving or uh, whatever. Uh, and we still, even though it's only two and a half of us here in the house, we spend enough to, to merit a free uh, entree. Uh, you get a big turkey for Thanksgiving or whatever. I could have gotten a turkey again. I got a big lasagna. And I actually cooked it yesterday. So I'm going to be eating lasagna for the next four days. Because <laughs> it's just so easy. You got to cook it originally. Then yeah. you put it in the fridge. And it's yeah. just as good day two, day three, day four. So I'm already set. My wife bought me like three or four days worth of meals. See what I
0: do, Jody. And it, it's, you know, I live in Stratford. So you live in Marlton. Now I go it, It's a, I go to the Wegmans in Cherry Hill. And then I just get pre- pre-done meals and then you're set for for a couple days now that the pre and by the way xander get Shoprite and wegman's on the phone we're, yeah, giving, we're them giving them a give, big prep. Yeah, give them uh you know try to get them as sponsors but that's the way i go i get the pre-done meals that's
2: phenomenal I promise we'll get the football in a second here for his <laughs> fans. Uh, but I'll tell you my quick Wegmans story. I had never heard of Wegmans. I went to college in upstate New York, went and visited my roommate. He lived uh, over closer to Buffalo than he did Albany uh, and went to uh, just spend a weekend with him during the summer, one of the years uh, we were in college together. And uh, I, what are we going to do there? We're going to go hang out at Wegmans. Oh, yeah. He can hang out all day. at I said, what's Wegmans? And he explained to me what, I said, we're going to hang out at a grocery store. He said, no, no, Jody, you understand. Wegmans <laughs> is more than a grocery store. We will spend hours at Wegmans. I'd never even heard of the damn place. And that was upstate New York in the 90s, so we've since, it's made its way down here to uh, South Georgia. It's a damn good store. They got yeah. quality oh, stuff yeah. there. I've
0: written for hours in a Wegmans. Just take my laptop and Go hang out at
2: Wegmans. The, the coffee barista at oh, Wegmans? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. All right. So, yeah, come on over, Johnny Mac. We'll get some beer, some girls. We'll do some stuff that we probably shouldn't do or talk about here on Birds 365. Maybe we should stick to the football. Anyway, uh, 14 days counting down to the draft. No major rumors today. We'll uh, create a couple of them for you. There was one piece of news in Eagle Land yesterday. And that was Steven Nelson officially becoming an ex Philadelphia Eagles signed a two year deal with the Houston Texans original reports. And we'll see what the details are. You always got to wait because you never know who's giving out the details two year, $10 million deal seeing as he played on a one year, $2.5 million deal for the Eagles. Good for Stephen Nelson. He got a pretty good payday. Whether the second year is a faux deer or not, we'll find out over, over a period of time, but um I thought Steven Nelson was a fine quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles last year, not a star, not a needle mover, but not a handicap either. And one thing that uh, only Jonathan Gannon knows for sure is, did he do his job in the Eagle defense? I've seen a bunch of stats put out there that quarterbacks averaged uh, over a hundred for a quarterback rating in plays He was playing on. I think that's what he was asked to do in the Eagle defense They play a lot of zone, and they're willing to give up underneath stuff. So, yeah, there were going to be a bunch of passes completed against them, but I don't remember him getting burnt. A guy we mentioned yesterday on the show, Jalen Mills, who I always liked. I liked him when he was here. I liked him. People remember the big plays that he gave up over the top. And How do we play? This guy's always getting burnt. Yeah, but he made plays, too. Yeah. That wasn't when Steven Nelson did an Eagle defense. He kept guys in front of him. Yeah, he gave up some passes, but he didn't get burnt for any big plays. I think the Eagles are actually going to miss him. Do
0: you? Um, yeah, depending on obviously if they get a corner in the first round, maybe not, but uh, if they're throwing Zach McPherson out there, yeah, they're gonna miss him. Uh they're gonna miss him. Um and Competency is the the way I describe Steve Nelson as the opposite corner to uh, Darius Slay. And that's bigger than people realize because there's a lot of incompetency in the NFL at cornerback. He knows how to play. He did in a lot of ways. You're right, Jody. He did what he was asked. He did what he was told. He He's a microcosm almost of Jonathan Gannett's defense. Uh, you know, what do you want to call it? Bend or don't break or whatever term you want to put on it. He didn't give up a lot of receptions, he didn't give up a lot of yards, uh but he gave up a huge completion percentage and he gave up a huge passer rating. You know, cuz everything was underneath and that's what the Eagles were trying to do. And they were trying to make people go on 16, 17 play drives. Uh those long drives where the mentality is, well, eventually you're going to make a mistake, holding penalty, you know, bad pass uh, Drop football, uh, and too often they gave up those long drives. But that's another story. Um, yeah, I thought he was a fine player, but he's one of those guys who, you know, the NFL's weird. They have their their mindset, and 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 they want guys who can run at corner. And he doesn't. He's not that blazing four four guy, and he doesn't have the tremendous length. You know, like the Eagles want. The Eagles love Tay Allen because he's so long and he's so fast and You know, all right, he's a six-round pick. Go throw him out there. See what happens. Um, There's more to playing cornerback than just being really, really long and really, really fast. And, look, you and I have talked about this a lot and the fact that we both agree, I think there's no such thing as a lockdown corner uh, anymore in the NFL. The closest you're going to get is Darius Slay. He's top five corner in this league. Eagles already got one. If that's your definition – a block down corner to top five corner, they got one. Um, So you can't have a, I guess you can (laughs) mathematically, but it's very unlikely you're going to have two top five corners uh, at the same time. So uh, what you're looking for on the other side is, is, is what Steven Nelson offered you. And I thought, and, and Steve Nelson, I should, you know, he likes to be called Steve and, Everybody calls him Steven. So I want to show him his proper respect as he gets out of town. So I'm happy for him. He did a good job. He came in two days before camp. Um, and, you know, he was a big upgrade because, remember, that was the plan. You know, they didn't have anything else. So they were going to throw a fourth-round rookie out there. And you you got to see Zach McPherson a little bit uh when Darius Slay had some concussion issues, a couple of games, he, he went out early and obviously they rested everybody week 17, week 18, I guess, um, against Dallas. Um, small sample size, but it wasn't great. And, you know, I always use those that term that jim schwartz gave me because i love it startup costs now maybe if he was forced into action week one he would have got better and he would have got better um and he would have been okay by the end of the season but you would have had some significant significant growing pains and i think the eagles are going to draft a cornerback in those top 51 picks yeah you know depending on how the board falls Maybe it's not 15, maybe it's not even 18, but 51. One of those three picks is going to be a cornerback because no matter what Nick Sirianni says at the league meetings, they can't be comfortable with Zach McPherson and Tay Gallen and Carrie Benson Jr.
2: Probably got work to do at that position. You and I agree there. And uh, I I wish I could give credit. Maybe you can tell me because you're a writer and I'm not. Uh, I wish I knew I would like to attribute this quote to someone particular because damn, if I don't use it, if damn, if I don't overuse it, then it's been one that's been floating out there for 20, 25 years, whatever it is, that uh, maybe your most important ability is availability. And you got to say that about Stephen Nelson. He answered the bell 16 times last year, every single game he was there and he was ready to play. And that's, that's an important part of it. So much so that I think you and I discussed this here. I'm pretty damn sure of it. Uh, we knew when the offseason rolled around that of the five starting positions, and I say five because uh, you've got a uh, slot corner, and the Eagles are, uh, are well-maintained at slot corner, as a matter of fact. But if you take it down to the other four, the Eagles had three guys who were th- free agents at their two safety positions and their second cornerback position behind Darius Light. And if I had to rank the three as to what, all things being equal, which we know things are never equal, right? We can always say that, but uh, how many dollars how it's going to cost you, link the contract, everything else. But the, they were all in, in a relatively similar boat. If I had to rank the guys I wanted back in order, it would have been Steve Nelson, one. Rodney McLeod, two, Anthony <laughs> Harris, three. And I was hoping the Eagles could retain two out of three. Well, it couldn't have gone much more to the opposite. They only retained one out of three, not two. And the one guy they retained was the guy I would have ranked third out of the group at Anthony Harris. Now, uh, the deals are the deals. And that might have actually been something to move the needle. The Eagles, ev- Eagles evaluation of the players is much more important than Jody McDonald's. But that was not the way I was thinking or hoping it was going to go with retaining their uh, DBs who are on the free agent market this year.
0: Well, when it came down to the safeties, I I I thought they were going to choose Rodney, uh, but I think they made the right football decision. I thought they were going to you know bring Rodney back because of his uh, you know importance to this team from a leadership standpoint, importance to the city from a community standpoint. But just from a a pure football perspective, I think Anthony's a little bit younger. uh, He's faster, less injury history. I think it makes sense. Jonathan Gannon's comfortable with him. So I was pleasantly surprised, actually. I think they made the right football decision there. Now, they probably got to get better at both positions, ultimately. So um, we have to see what's going to happen in the draft at, at, at safety. With corner... You could tell the Eagles plan and basically it was "All right, we'll we'll see what happens in the draft. And if we're not able to get what we want in the draft, we're going to come back to Steve. And they're probably looking at last year and saying, well, we got him two days before the start of camp last year. He's still on the market this year. Maybe it's going to unfold the same way. And all of a sudden here comes Houston with two years and he's gone. So you roll the dice in those types of situations. I think they wanted to use them as a safety net and somebody pulled it out from under them. So now they don't have it, but that's sort of the game you play and they're not the
3: only
2: team that does that. Right. And just my supposition, uh, you've got Eagle sources. I don't, but reading from afar, I think it's some of the young guys that take gallons, the Vincents, mm-hmm. the Sacherays that they have on the roster where they say, well, if worst-case scenario happens and Steven's not there and we can't get a veteran guy and the draft doesn't fall our way, at least we have these young guys already on the roster. Okay. If you All say right. so, yeah. I want to see it. Wanna- well, if it's
0: it's April 14th, I believe, and if they had to play a game today, Zach McPherson would be the starting corner opposite Darius Lay, and just be thankful
2: that they don't have to play on April 14th. 150 days until we get to that first Sunday of the upcoming season, as a matter of fact. He John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald. I see our first guest of the day is getting ready to rock and roll with us. Always fun when we get to catch up with Marcus Hayes of Daily News and WIP. He joins us next here on Birds 365.
3: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
2: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest
3: with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
5: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
3: Seven, three. One, two, three. Because
5: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
6: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: Appreciate you streaming in uh, with us here on 365 McLoan McDonald hanging with you. Got a good third voice to join us for the next twenty minutes or so. Uh, you're still reading them in the daily news these days. You catch them on WIP hosting from time to time. Always oh, good to catch up with Marcus Hayes.
0: Inquire, Jody. You can tell the old school guys, Marcus.
7: Inquire. <laughs>
0: well, I still, I,
2: I still appear in both.
7: They're,
0: mm-hmm. they're both still kicking.
7: That's yeah, true. Oh. Corrected
2: me for no reason. I'm. McMillan. I'm sorry. Is that only, real? See, I'm,
0: really, I'm. I'm. I'm old school guy. You're only
2: half wrong, Jody.
0: Yeah, I'm a, and then I'm a
2: typical a, Marcus A's answer. Well, you're only I'm, half wrong,
0: and I'm a hundred percent wrong. See, I'm thinking ink, you know, ink stain wretch. That's what I'm thinking. Inky I'm thinking, rich. Rich.
2: yeah, but Marcus, so good rich. to catch up with your brother. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Two weeks out from the NFL draft, your confidence level that Howie Roseman, at all, including the owner, although he said he's less involved than he was years ago, um. How prepped, how ready, they've got some bullets to fire here. How big a draft is this for the Philadelphia Eagles?
7: It depends on what you mean by big. If you're, if you're looking for instant results, like something that's going to help them this year or next year even, um, become a relevant you know, contending team, then I have no confidence because they don't have a quarterback still. So it's all, it's all irrelevant when it comes to sort of instant gratification. So if you assume that it takes a typical quarterback, a non-free agent quarterback, at least two seasons to get up to speed, we're probably three seasons away from anything happening, anything that happens this season mattering down the road. So that said, I guess the question for me would be, what do I expect them to do that's going to help them in three seasons? <clears throat> uh, honestly, I think they're going to take a quarterback and I think they're going to take a wide receiver. And I don't think ha- they, they're going to care how uh, how ready they are to how, – how ready those players are to play right now. I think they're going to be looking at ceilings more than floors.
0: Interesting, Marcus, that you say quarterback because the Quarter, – obviously- Quarterback, I'm sorry. Oh, corner, okay. Yes. That's what I was saying. Because I want to talk about the trade early April, obviously, how he kicks the can sort of down the road another year by moving one of his first round picks into 2023. Um, You know, Baker Mayfield came out. uh, I don't know if you saw this morning and was a little bit angry about how Cleveland has treated him. I think we all look at Jalen Hurts and those of us who've gotten to know him at least a little bit in this pandemic world say, well, this kid can handle it. This kid, you know, he's not Carson Wentz, he's mentally tough. He's gonna keep competing no matter how many whispers. At some point, though, when you're this obvious behind the scenes, you can say whatever you want when the microphone appears. Is it can we can we just assume, can we just assume it's always going to be that way and it's not going to affect Jalen Hurts at all?
7: You know, what? the interesting thing about how they handled Jalen Hurts um, when they drafted him was they were very, very quick to assure, reassure Carson Wentz that he was the guy and that Jalen Hurts was his four-year backup Mm -hmm. because second-round picks get four-year contracts. So I believe they think that they don't owe Jalen Hurts anything except a paycheck for four years. Because that's what they told him he was when he came to Philadelphia. And that doesn't – if he plays well enough for them to win some games, that to me frees them of any responsibility of replacing him even if he wins. Because unless he's the reason they're winning, and I don't think he ever will be, but unless he's the reason they're they're winning, they've told him, we drafted you in the second round and paid you – You know, I think it's going to be like a total of five or seven million dollars because you're a backup quarterback. And until you prove us wrong, we owe you nothing. So I think that's the way Jalen Jalen Hurts approaches his day. And when he says he doesn't always tell us the truth, he doesn't sometimes ever tell us the truth. (laughs) But he does tell us the truth when he says every day I come to work, I'm competing for my job. Because he knows the, he knows there are throws he can make. He knows there are limitations to his game. He knows he gets hurt. You know he he's been hurt injured at the end of the last two seasons. So I don't think he resents them as I don't think he resents or will resent them until he proves to himself and the rest of us that he's a, a valid, viable
2: starting NFL quarterback. Marcus, speaking of telling the truth and or believing what you're hearing. Uh, let me put the Eagles on in the, in the microscope. Um, from the time the season ended, they came out and said, Jalen's our guy. And to this point, they've done nothing to make us believe that that's anything but the truth, that they are going to give him the job. They haven't 100% wrapped themselves around him. He's our guy. And we're planning on him being the quarterback in 2030. Mm-hmm. But they said he's the quarterback for 2022, which I think we have to, by their actions, take it face value. But they've also said and we need to put better weapons around him evidence zach Pascal. that's it that's what they've done so far to put better weapons around uh the quarterback of the philadelphia eagles is it happenstance uh, they were almost uh, calvin ridley acquisition away before he got caught for making illegal gambling moves Um, but the bottom line is the bottom line, and we're two weeks away from the draft, and they've done diddly squat to make Jalen uh, Hurts' life easier. Are the Eagles open for criticism because of that? Um, Not until
7: after the draft. Uh, One of the things that the the Eagles have always done well, since Jeffrey Lurie um, bought them and hired Joe Banner to run them, is they've anticipated the market, and they've – understood what value really is so entering this off season, they understood very very quickly how crazy the quarterback market was going to get not only was it going to take a king's ransom to to move deshaun watson and to move russell wilson you were then <laughs> going to have to pay them another king's ransom and i think that their their calculus for quarterbacks has changed a little bit it used to be the be-all and end-all and now I think they think that they can maybe get something a little bit more, uh, get a little bit more value out of drafting quarterbacks than trading for them and signing them. And that's the, that's the big thing. The price tag on, you know, Deshaun Watson. Not only did you give up a king's ransom to get him, you then pay, you then hamstrung your team for the next what, six years, five years, effectively, uh, salary cap wise. So said all that to say. I do not think they had any idea that the wide receiver market was going to be what, to what it turned out to be. And they've had every intention of getting him a veteran wide receiver, uh, not a Zach Pascal, a, a real veteran wide receiver, a number two, number one type guy. Um, I don't think they would have said that otherwise. They've been pretty honest. You know, they, they told us last year was a rebuilding year. They've told us this coming year is a rebuilding year. I don't know if they meant that to be, but that's the way it's turned out. So, Maybe they should be held accountable for saying what they said and misevaluating the market. But I believe their every intention was to to go out and get somebody who was going to help Jalen Hurts produce. Number one, number two, I think it might also change the calculus and the strategy of whom to draft in the first round. I mean, there's almost no scenario in my mind where they don't take a, a wide receiver with that was the 15th and 18th pick now, you know, yeah, and 15 you're,
0: and 18. And then yeah, 51.
7: So you're going to get, well, I think at 51 that, you know, the, the guys who are going to help you are gone, the guys who are going to help you immediately are gone. Immediately. But I will say this, I, I don't know how closely you guys follow the combine, I imagine you followed every second of it and, you know, it's all its sights, sounds, and smells because I know you both and you're big football nerds. <laughs> but um, this was a spectacular wide receiver combine. You know, I, I think they went to the combine and came away with like, oh, my gosh, you know, we, we've got some real, real options here. We can even trade a pick away and get somebody who can help us.
0: Well, I I agree. That's the way college football has gone, Marcus. It's been that way for about three years now. It's just wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers all over the place, which is why it's so strange. The Eagles can't find a wide receiver. Now, I put aside Devontae Smith because he's different. And they actually, that's a very good player. He's going to be a very good player if he stays healthy for long term. So, but past that, the fact that this team we're talking about, wide receiver in the first round for a third consecutive year. And you think about some of the, the shift when Doug was, was fired and they brought in Nick and, and one of the big themes, Marcus was player development. The old staff wasn't great with player development. This time they brought in a bunch of teachers. Not only are these guys, teachers, Nick Sirianni played receiver. He, he knows the position. He coached the position Shane Steichen has a history. They have Aaron Moorhead. They have all these guys to help players get better, player development. And I got to tell you, I think Jalen Rager got worse. I think maybe J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was better as a blocker. But what did he catch last year, Jody? One? What What? What was it? I mean, he's out there to catch the football. Um, I didn't see improvement there. I think the staff as a whole did a good job, but at what point do we look at this team and say, you got to develop some of these young players. You can't just keep going wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Otherwise you turn into the Detroit Lions. Maybe eventually you, you, you find Calvin Johnson, but you, you wasted so many other slots over the years. It affects your ability to build a team.
7: Well, I thought the biggest – joke of the offseason as it, as you refer to the Eagles is how they tried to tell us Quez Watkins was a good receiver oh, and developing uh-huh. a right on right on. I mean, I think Quez Watkins is a, a valuable weapon.
0: Yeah. You get him but he, he,
7: and he's, but he's an, and when you have to have a quarterback who can hit him, you know, you have to have a quarterback who looks for him and can find him. And I don't mean to beat up on Jalen hurts, but we're talking about wide receivers and you, you, you only know as much about your receivers as your quarterback can tell you. That said, I don't think Quez Watkins was nearly as good as Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni kept telling us he was after we watched him. You know, So to your point, I think they used whatever minimal gains or modest gains, I shouldn't say minimal, that they made with Quez Watkins as proof that they're on the right track with these receivers. But look at us with all this wide receiver commitment and, and draft capital and assets and coaching. We really do know what we're doing. Jalen Rager is broken, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was a mistake. Uh, so, yeah, I I don't know there's a whole lot there to coach. And the, the greatest damning, the most damning issue when it comes to wide receivers is Devontae Smith wasn't very good for the middle of the season. You know, there was he went through a, a pretty serious slump. And it's kind of like when a pitcher tips his pitches or a batter shows a hole in his swing. You have to adjust, right? You have to figure out what's wrong and adjust. And they were very, very slow to adjust. And you know what their biggest adjustment was? Running the football.
2: And they did make that work for him, uh, Marcus. Uh, John, by the way, you severely underestimate J.J. Sega whiteside had twice as many catches as you suggested. <laughs> that would be two for that's 36 bad. yards. Yeah, hey, That's I'm... 18 yards a catch. Yeah. That's pretty good. You, you, you're getting 18 yards per catch. You're one of the best in the league. You got it more than two, though. Uh,
7: so well, the I'm... analytics guys will tell you you should throw him the ball more
2: than. More than. Exactly right. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, let me take you here, Marcus, because John likes to say all the time, that the Eagles, one of the strong traits that they have is that they're a disciplined organization, that they don't overreact, that they have their tenets and they stick to it and they can show discipline. Well, one of their tenets is the offensive line. Will they stay disciplined and not take an offensive lineman with one of those first three picks? Because it's easily their deepest position on the team. Or will Howie Roseman's DNA Force him to take an offensive lineman with either 15, 18, or 51.
7: Well, that's where you and I diverge, Jody. Uh, I don't think you can have enough offensive linemen. Um, I wouldn't care if they took an offensive lineman in the first two rounds every year, no matter how deep their offensive line is. Um, and, you know, how deep is it really? Who's your backup center? Somebody who's never played there before. Um,
2: uh, it could be could be Isaac
7: right it could Isaac be over
2: He's, the you could play Dickerson never played it on the nfl level but he played it effectively at college i think they're three deep at center
7: with guys who've never played it before you know so and their best player their yeah. best all-around certainly anybody player.
2: you draft is never going to have played it before either marcus well I, I, that's my point
7: you've got probably three positions on the offensive line where there are question marks as the backup OK, and let's be honest, Jalen Hurts is hot garbage without a great offensive line last year. And this was a great <laughs> offensive line. And and it's going to be a great offensive line this year. And this was a great offensive line, despite Jason Kelsey being hurt for what, half the season, despite Lane Johnson missing games and being hurt. I mean, it, it, it was just uh, Jason Kelsey was injured, but played, but he wasn't 100 percent. This was a spectacular hadn't been a, job. Hadn't that been, been the Seller. last
2: five years? Jason Kelsey is injured but plays. Yeah, that's that's Jason good, Kelsey's that's, life. That's yeah.
7: how good he is. And yeah. um when he's gone, we're gonna recognize that's how that's good he true. is. Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't care if they took a, an offensive lineman. My 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 draft formula is no matter how good your lines are, you should take an offensive and a defensive line inside your first 75, 80 picks every year because they will get hurt and you can trade an offensive I mean, you can trade an offensive lineman that's capable at any time during the year. Much it's much easier to trade an offensive a capable offensive lineman. Look what Dennis Kelly did after he left here. Good, yeah. You know, these guys stay in a league forever and these guys Matt these Pryor,
0: kind of people yes. think he's terrible right. here, Matt the Colts Pryor. love him. The Matt Colts Pryor. love Matt Pryor.
7: Yeah, I mean, the uh who was John what's the guy that went to Pittsburgh and became a pro bowler, the Army the guy. Alejandro Yeah, I mean, these are just testaments to how valuable, you know, mediocre offensive linemen can be and, be, and become. So that said, um, I, I don't think they'll be disciplined. I think they do take an offensive lineman, you know, somewhere, you know, on the first or second day. And I will always endorse it. I, uh, but the same goes true, especially for interior defensive line. I don't think you can have enough of those, which we saw, you know, well, since they signed – um, the Tim guy from the uh, Jaguars who got hurt. Um, You're
0: talking about Timmy Tim Tim Jernigan from the Ravens.
7: No, it was after Jernigan,
0: Jaguars.
7: Really uh, nice guy. Uh, DT. So anyway,
2: you... they
7: they they signed uh they signed a, a defensive tackle who got hurt in the first game of the year. He hurt his foot the first game of the year. I think it was twenty
2: uh
7: 2019 I'm um, malik jackson oh malik, malik jackson yeah so he hurts yeah. malik. so you can't right. have enough good young offensive or defensive linemen and you can't have enough good backup offensive linemen and think about this jody every one of those backup offensive linemen that they store they they, they drafted and stored and taught every one of them played last year
2: yeah And they play pretty effectively. That's why I'm saying I don't think they need to draft an offensive lineman. Here is my philosophy with the Eagles and offensive line as of right now. Feel free to use a fourth, fifth or sixth round pick on an offensive lineman and watch Stoutland make him a starter in the league. I'm not not taking a first, second or third round there. Give Stout uh, a fourth or a fifth or a sixth. And make him into a viable start.
7: That's not a bad. That's not a bad plan. Jordan Mailata, seventh round pick. Jack Driscoll, fourth round pick, right, John? Yeah. So yeah, that's not a bad plan either. But again, you will never hear me criticize the Eagles for you know adding offensive line depth. It's, you know, it, it let's be honestly, you know, unless you're going to get a guy of the talent, not you know, not with the caveats, but the talent of Dickerson, you don't draft anybody in the first round but usually anybody in the first round who's there at 15 or 18 is a project anyway. If you have a, if you have a just add water offensive lineman, they're gone early because, you know, remember the Lane Johnson draft offensive tackles went one, two, three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chip Kelly wanted to take Deion Jordan. So the Eagles got lucky there. Uh, (laughs) Got Lane Johnson. And by the way, Lane's going to be 32 next month. And he Um, misses
7: time every year.
0: Yeah, and he's got that ankle, which is, you know, a complete reconstruction. Um, So you got to start thinking about life after, certainly we always talk about Jason, Jason Kelsey, but also Lane Johnson.
7: Which brings up an interesting topic to me, right? So we're talking about the draft and what they're doing in the draft and why they didn't do stuff in free agency. So I was astonished that last year and this year, they didn't address the quarterback position, not because Jalen Hurts has limitations necessarily. I, I think he's a, you know, fine backup quarterback, but because Lane Johnson's old, Fletcher Cox is old, Darius Slay is old, but at the time, you know, the, the, the tight end going into the season, um, Zach Ertz was old. Jason Kelsey is ancient. So you, you, you're, you're paying these guys a lot of money. You're paying five guys you know, something like 50% of your salary cap or something like that. And any of them could be done tomorrow. So either let them go or give them a quarterback. I honestly believe now that last year and this year, the, the plan was and is whatever we get out of whoever this year we get, you know, we get to the playoffs. Great. If not, you know, if we do, we do, if we don't, we don't to, to quote Andy McPhail. However, our our strategy has to be, cannot cannot hinge on paying Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, at the time, Zach Ertz and Lane Johnson, lots of money as 30-somethings and wasting a year because we, we, we have to actually start thinking about replacing those guys and we get from them whatever we get, quarterback and the quarterbacks are relevant. That to me was astonishing. Last year, it's more astonishing this year. Now that you know you've got, you know, a star in Devontae Smith, and uh, I think the probably the best offensive player is Dallas Goddard, their tight end, who you know got paid and will be here for a long time. So it's been interesting to me to watch their strategies unfold, and that's the reason, you know, if you thought you had to win immediately, you would go. With players in this draft who would help you win immediately. For for example, there's a a linebacker, uh, Nakobe N- uh, N- N- Dean. Nakobe Dean, N- yeah. Dean. So if you had to win now, okay, you would add a Nakobe Dean. If you don't, you would find one. You'd draft one in the second or third round and develop them. And I think that's kind of where they are. So that whole li- liturgy, that whole <laughs> that whole soliloquy to my surprise i think that they are taking two seasons two seasons two nfl seasons of jeffrey lurie's you know progressing you know lifespan to completely retool the team ignoring the people who got them to the super bowl who still have tread on their tires
2: all right, let me play into your theory uh, that they've got some very good veteran guys on the back nine for sure, making good money. We need to strike while these guys are still viable. And I think your your theory holds some water. But it assumes the Eagles could have gotten a different quarterback, which is a bit of a stretch because Deshaun Watson said he didn't want to come here, didn't want to compete with it, didn't want to knock his buddy Jalen Hurts from the perch he was on. Russell Wilson didn't want to come to the east coast of the country. Denver was as far east as he was going to go. Take those things out of play. That if the Eagles had been able to pay the tax, whatever it is, pay the player more, give Deshaun Watson even more guaranteed money than Cleveland did, which has the old NFL up in arms. But if the Eagles had gone even further, maybe they could have dis- talked Deshaun Watson into coming here. Which was the guy? Who is the guy they should have gone to? Unbelievable links end to get as their quarterback over the last couple of years.
7: You mean you mean with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson in play?
2: Anybody who changed teams. Russell Wilson. Yes,
7: that's. I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, Russell Wilson. I think I wrote a column about this a few months ago when he was, you know, when, the, when people were trying to get him. Russell Wilson has been was unbelievably good last year. I think he was the fourth highest rated passer last year with a broken thumb. And the year before that, he had 40 touchdowns. He's uh, he's the only games he's missed are the ones he missed while his thumb healed enough. So he could, he could come back. And he's a running quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback who gains yards, but he never gets hit. He's the smartest quarterback I've seen. And with the whole, the entire package, Since Steve young, that's the guy he reminds me of constantly. And if you look at Steve young's track record, and this was back when you could hit quarterbacks, Steve young got, went to the pro bowl four times after he turned 33. So for me, it was always, it was Russell Wilson or Bust, Deshaun Watson, this, you know, uh, exclusive of his issues of his lingering sexual assault, accusations and lawsuits he probably isn't within two years of being as effective as Russell Wilson. So if I'm ready to win now, Russell Wilson's the guy I want because he's won, you know, he's been hindered by a guy that I always thought was kind of a fraud as a coach, a head coach. And when you, you know, when the Legion of boom evaporated, when it disintegrated, so did Pete Carroll's genius. So, I mean, I thought, I've always thought Russell Wilson we we're were we we're very lucky to be watching Aaron Rodgers. We're also very, very lucky to be watching Russell Wilson. It's kind of like when Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan were in the league at the same time.
0: Yeah, and the Eagles can't stop talking. In a lot of ways, Russell Wilson is their white whale because they can't stop talking <laughs> about how close they were getting. To him. They could have taken him in the second round if they yeah. wanted him that that badly. They could have taken him in the first round and looked like geniuses if they wanted him that badly. So, The Eagles tend to do that. They did it. Remember, they did it with Odell Beckham Jr. Chip came and said, oh, we had him as the best player in the draft. Now it's DK Metcalf. We had him as a top 15 player, but he was a a medical red flag. Now, he was a medical red flag, but I don't know if they had him as a top 15 player. They loved to (laughs) talk. You know who
7: else was a medical red flag? Sidney Jones.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, he should have been.
7: Like, so whenever yeah. they talk that talk that mess about medical red flag yeah. in reference to DK Metcalf, I'm like, you have twice taken guys yeah, who, when, you, when you drafted Landon. them, they yeah. were in wheelchairs. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so don't give me, give me the stuff about DK Metcalf's you know stiff neck. You know? Yeah, yeah, oh, it's ridiculous. Medical yeah. red flag.
0: Um, so, uh, but what you said was interesting to me about. Um, before about the wide receiver market, Marcus, because Mm -hmm. I I agree with you. I think they missed, they didn't see this coming. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Eagles are in it. But one of the things, and Jody told you, I, I call them a disciplined organization. And for the most part, they are. But I mean, that's the cost of doing business at that position. At some point, you have to change and say, in other words, does discipline become a negative trait at some point? I mean, if that's the cost of doing business, you either you either get in the business or you don't. Well,
7: here's the th- and I agree with them so far. You know, I shouldn't say so far. the 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 market's over. The market's done. I agree with them that. I believe these wide receiver acquisitions and signings aren't aren't horrible values, right on down the line, just bad values. And I believe that you can get, not this year, but over the next four years, similar production from first and second round picks. I will say this, though. they're, They're almost never wrong about the market. Not only that, they're usually ahead of the market they're yeah. usually making deals and saving 15 20% on these deals for themselves very very team friendly deals this is the first time in my memory that uh, and let's be honest they understood what the quarterback market was going to be and nailed it you know they stayed away from the the, the quarterback they stayed away from and we're not we're not even talking about the to jody's point we're not talking about the guy's preferences They're, you know no trade clauses and i'm not going here and i don't like this and i'm interviewing teams who want to trade for me which is crazy how does deshaun watson pull that up? um so <laughs>
2: no, no trade was, clause that's how he
7: pulled it up but, but they were they were um they were they were just wrong about the receiver market they're dead right about the quarterback market but they were wrong about the receiver market and i can't remember them ever being this wrong about any business matter, not you know, they've made bad draft picks, but any business matter, predicting where where the, uh, the you know the floor for the market was going to be and where the ceiling was going to be, I I think they were just astounded. But I don't know anybody who's covered football for more than a week who wasn't astounded.
0: It's yeah. just unprecedented. I was, yeah, I was that astounded. Chris Kirk
7: got that much kind of, that kind of money. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, Market, but you yeah. said it was over real quick. Just to follow up, sorry, Joey. Yeah. it's not over. AJ Brown wants money now because there's this domino effect. DK Metcalf wants money. Debo Samuel wants money, and they're all eligible for extensions. And we saw how quickly it happened in Kansas City. Kansas City thought they were going to re-sign Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah. Devontae Adams went. The contract blows up, and Tyreek's like, "Uh, wait a minute." And all of a sudden he's in Miami in 48 hours. That's how quickly it could happen. I I bring up Debo, especially because I love him as a player. I just think he's (laughs) the most fun player to watch. And I'd love to see him in Philadelphia. It's not going to happen, but, you know, if he creates enough waves and they get to that point and say, we're going to trade him. That's my point with the Eagles. Are you ever getting in on these types of players or is it just not worth it because the value's not there?
7: Well, uh, the only player for my money who, who really, the only player, the only receiver that moved this year for my money considering his age, production and what he would be able to do with a really, you know, a good quarterback who has a good offensive line. That's the other thing about Russell Wilson. His offensive line is a bit horrible. Yeah. And he's still Russell Wilson. But if you put Russell Wilson behind this offensive line or, or you know, a, a, if you put DK Metcalf on the field and give your quarterback three and a half seconds, it's over. He's uncoverable. He's a home run hitter. Who's a tight end. So that's the guy for me that this market was made for. I said that to say, I'm astounded. He's not somewhere else right now. I mean, to your point, yeah, there are guys who want to move, but it seems as though, that's just not going to happen. Maybe it happens draft night. I don't know. But that's a lot of that's a lot of moving parts to have happen on draft night to draft a guy and have pre prenegoti you know, like a pre negotiated contract. Maybe they're doing that right now. You know, for all we know, they're, they're not just figuring out whether, you know, Kenny Pickett's hands are big enough. They're, they're also, <laughs> you know, they're also doing some backdoor deals.
2: Mark, it's last one from me. Uh, and by the way, I got a text from Pete Carroll. He said, "Don't wait for the Christmas card." Um, but well, I he and Mike,
7: appreciate- he and Mike, he
2: and Mike McCarthy
7: have stolen so much money over the last six or seven, what seven or eight years? It's just obscene. They, uh, they should, they should, they should, they should be on the run.
2: All right, <laughs> I, I'm a bigger fan of uh, Pete Carroll than you, but that's okay. Uh, but I do appreciate your strong opinion on coaches. So I need your opinion on Nick Sirianni. He came in here last year. No one really knew who he was. He wasn't one of the quote-unquote hot candidates, and the Eagles tabbed him. He had the season he had. He got the Eagles into the playoffs in a transitional year. His resume for one year in the books looks pretty good to me. How much command does he have of that room? Are the guys like, hey, Nick's our guy, and he's going to be an NFL coach for 10 years, or is it, Hey, good job. Maybe a little luck involved there. We beat a bunch of backup quarterbacks last year, but uh, good on you, Nick. What is his status as the guy driving the Eagle locker room going into his second year coaching in the league?
7: I'll give you a story that has nothing to do with the, the question you asked, but we'll get back. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll circle
0: around get, to it. I got faith in you, Mark. a cyclical thing. We know. So
7: my, my second or third year covering the Phillies, I guess my second year, um, Larry Bow was very unpopular in the clubhouse, popular with the fans, but unpopular with the clubhouse. And I was at a nightclub at spring training with two of my coworkers, and one of the players, in you know, one of the Phillies players was there. Well, more than one, but one of them called me <laughs> over and said, "Hey, listen, you, you're not wrong about Larry, but look, if the if the clubhouse isn't good, we don't have a chance to win, and the way you cover us." Affects how the clubhouse is and the perception, but more importantly, it affects Larry. So it makes kind Larry kind of worse. You know, he gets upset with you saying these things, which are true, but you, if you could de-emphasize it, if you could, you know, understand that it's not going to change, then it might give us, you know, a 1% boost in our chances to win down the road. So that player understood that everybody kind of needed to be rowing in the same direction. That's what happened with Jason Kelsey after the flower power speech, the most significant moment of 2021 for, for the Eagles when was when Jason Kelsey broke up. The, I think it might've been in Detroit um, when Jason Kelsey broke up, broke up the locker room with uh one, two, three roots. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> yeah. That endorsed Nick Sirianni. Jason Kelsey's the most important person in the locker room now that Malcolm Jenkins is gone. And he endorsed Nick Sirianni in all his earnestness and silliness and, you know, quirkiness. Quirky, yes. So to answer your question, there is no, we're not having this conversation if that doesn't happen because the team doesn't go on to be be better and buy into what Sirianni was selling. And to, to Sirianni's credit, he was flexible. You know, he abandoned his initial offense and made it a run first offense. And by doing so again, the most important people on that team are the offensive linemen in doing so. He delighted the offensive linemen. He delighted Jason Kelsey. He delighted Lane Johnson and you got an even bigger buy in <clears throat> I was surprised that he was that flexible. I was surprised he learned so much so quickly. And I think he has a pretty high ceiling as a coach. And I think you're going to see him pull back on the quirkiness and the hyperbole and the snow jobs because players understand they're smart. they, They watch press conferences. They understand, you know, what a snow job is and he stopped doing it. So I think that that aspect of his coaching evolved. I think he understood what his quarterback and what his receivers could and couldn't do. So that evolved. And like, I think John will agree, like a lot of coaches getting their first head job and having the final say, you go into it with a a template or a a paint by number, and you expect everybody to stay within the lines, but that's not the way athletics is. You have to divine the, the, capabilities of your players and your coaches and be able to change the template, sometimes series to series, but certainly overarchingly. So to answer your question, I think he's got a pretty high ceiling and I think he's got staying power and he did enough last year. So if he gets fired this year, he'll get another head coaching job.
0: Oh yeah. He's not getting, he did it. He did a heck of a job. I would argue he was the best rookie head coach. And I think Marcus is right. Um, He shows, It was a low bar, but he shows it was a low bar, but he shows a high ceiling. I think you're right as as a head coach. Still has a way to go. Um, and I'll wrap it up here with you, Marcus, because he called us inquire.com, read him there at Inkstain R E T, not W R, uh, on Twitter. Um it, we are football nerds. We'll take that hit. But I do want to get your thoughts on three things. I know you wrote about one of them. Clayton Kershaw, number one, Alec Baum, and Matisse Seibel.
7: Now, are you talking about taking Kershaw out?
0: Yes. Yeah, perfect game. there's been 23 perfect games in the history of Major League Baseball. Jody, I think that's correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. Um, 82 pitches, I think he was at out does that hurt the game of baseball
7: I well if if we had a normal spring training yes but no I mean I'm astonished you threw 82 pitches you know this the nobody should be throwing probably more than 75 or 80 pitches right now because they just didn't stretch out and you, you could argue it shouldn't be this way but it's been this way for 20 years you know guys are built up a certain way and monitored throughout the season. You know, you, there, might be a, there might be a point this season where Clayton Kershaw throws 80 pitches again because he threw 112 the time before, and no matter what, he's not going eighty over 80, 85 because, you know, they're, they're, he didn't sleep p- properly the night before. His biometrics are off. That's just the world we live in. So, you know, and I'm not a huge proponent of coddling pitchers. You know, the Steven Strasburg getting shut down during the middle of a playoff run by the Washington Nationals. I thought that was absurd. But when that was allowed to happen, you know, it was over. So, yeah, optimally, you let Kershaw stay in and try to finish that game. But especially with a shortened spring training. And what we're finding right now with these uh, these pitchers and their pitch counts is who did their work in the offseason. Because the Phillies have at least two guys who could probably go 90 pitches in their debuts. But they also have a bunch of guys who – probably shouldn't have go 50 and probably 75 in their second game because they weren't ready. And that to me, I understand they were, they were locked out or whatever, but some guys were ready. And uh, so that's how I feel about Kershaw. As far as Alec bone goes, I I don't, I don't buy him. I I don't think he's sorry. He said what he said. I think he's sorry. He got caught saying, (laughs) I hate this bleeping place. I bleeping hate this place. Um, I think he's sorry that, you know, the technology exists to, to out him. I think he does bleeping hate this place. That's the vibe I got from him all spring training when I was down there. Um, and let's be honest, he's a 25-year-old kid who got sent to AAA last year after a great rookie year, and then had they, they, they groomed another prospect to take his job, right? The biggest story of spring training was Bryson Stott unseated Alec Boehm at third base. He's the starting third baseman. Alec Boehm is a backup player now. And when the rosters contract, he might, be a, he might be a starter in AAA again. The rosters will contract at the end of, uh, end of April, I believe, or the end of May. I'm not sure. So, you know, he did a great job at the behest of Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Listen, I'm really sorry I said it was at his locker right after the game. I'm sorry I said what I said. People bought it hook, line, and sinker. Gave him a standing ovation the next night when he was, he was introduced as a pinch hitter. And, uh, you know, great, but, you know, let's see when his on-base percentage is 300 as opposed to 666, how forgiving the people are, how many standing ovation he get, he gets. And as far as Batiste Theibel, you know, I don't really care. Well, for one thing, if you're going to get the first vaccine in a, a two-vaccine series, at that point, you're, you've already jumped in the water over your waist, right. you know? So <laughs> get the second vaccine and be done with it. Number one, that just just uh, like I had to read that like five times. Like I was like, OK, so he got the J&J vaccine and not the booster or, or you know, because this is insanity. Right. So he gets the first vaccine.
6: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.
7: we realized that the vaccine isn't as effective at keeping people from spreading COVID with the variants as it was with the original, original uh, virus. So at that point, he says it's still effective, more effective than not getting it at that point. He says, well, that's my bar. It needs to be just as effective. I only ever got it. So I wouldn't give it to somebody else. And now that I'm more likely to give it to somebody else, I'm not going to. So, there's no logic there. Number one, number two. I don't care if you're pro or anti-vaccine. There are lots of vaccines I've gotten I didn't want to get, but I had to get them to do my job. This vaccine will keep him from doing his job for three of the seven games if it goes seven games in Toronto. At that point, the conversation's over. At that point, you're a bad teammate. That's just it. You're you're, mm-hmm. you're telling your team you're no. I'm more important than you are. This vaccine, which has virtually no side effects for anybody, certainly has no greater side effects than some other vaccines that you've probably already gotten and that we all get all the time. Keeps you, you gotta, you do your job.
0: Yeah. You know,
7: you're abandoning your team and you're not this eighth player anymore. You're a starter. They right. kept you on the team in the Ben Simmons trade. They kept, they, they didn't trade you. And this is how you repay them. The Sixers are, I I will say this. I've been around a lot of coaches and a lot of managers who've had a lot of guys not vaccinated. I haven't seen anybody as angry as Doc Rivers. He came out and told us two days ago, you know, I I encouraged him. I, you know, I pleaded with him, you know, and he wouldn't do it. So now I have to support it, which isn't very supportive. (laughs) Those are not the most supportive words to say No. But no. yeah, um this is a big big deal. And it, it's astounding. You know, it, and I say this to people all the time. You work in Philadelphia, they say, "Yeah, you work in Philadelphia. What's it like being a sports writer in Philadelphia?" I say it's like it's like harvesting fruit in Mexico. It's just <laughs> bountiful. We have, <laughs> we got Alec Bohm and Matisse Stibbe in nah. the same news cycle.
2: Yeah. And I... they're not even the biggest stories, you know? <laughs> We got we got to wrap this up here, but just a quick retort. Um, I will defend Alex Bowman this way. Pick any of the other 29 cities in Major League Baseball. If the situation was the same, he would have said the same exact thing. I don't think it was a Philly thing. I think it was the situation, which he has a lot of his own doing to have put himself in that situation, in his mind sucks. Okay, fine. Yeah, you're not happy about it. Well, He wouldn't be happy in Cincinnati or L.A. or Houston whatever. Some people try to make it a Philly thing. It's not a Philly thing. It's an Alex Holmes thing. I think New York
7: would be, I think it would be similar in New York and Boston, but most of the cities watching baseball these days, Jody, they wouldn't care enough to, to jeer him.
2: We'll agree to disagree there. And the thing about doc is talk about having to suck it up and take one for the team and defend players really thick that. Why didn't you show that to Paul Reed? The kid goes out, gets 25 points. That's uh, his best game ever. And he says, We're not going to start the Paul Reed party Thought well, about throwing one of your guys under the bus. In fact, you deserve to do that to uh, get that kind of response. In Doc's
7: defense, Paul Reed averages nine fouls per 36 minutes.
2: <laughs> but, okay. And the
7: Yeah, add, but add, what's better? Add, Paul Reed add. foul
2: on a guy and make him go to the line and earn his points? Or Andre Jordan standing there and watching the guy dunk on him? The well, foul is no,
7: not
1: a bad well,
7: play. Yeah, fouling is fouling is a bad play, yes, because it stops the clock, it gives them two points, and it puts the other team in the bonus. Paul Reed has played well against backup centers. The, the guy that he cooked in Detroit that night didn't play in the game, the other game in Detroit. He was out with an ankle sprain. So, yeah, he had a great game. But Doc didn't come out and say, hey, I'm going to run over Paul Reed. What he said was, stop asking me Paul Reed questions that I've answered and will yeah. answer again and his his reasoning was paul reed fouls too much literally he he he's averaged in the eight games he's played the most over People the last paul, paul.
0: 5 yeah, 5 or 6
7: months or i'm sorry 3 months la- in the eight games he's played the most which is more than 10 minutes he's averaged 3.65 fouls in 13 minutes yeah now he's, i'm not at
0: the, i'm not at the him. sixers anymore oh. haven't been for a number of years but I will say, watching from afar, Marcus, what I feel bad for Doc is, and he gets too testy with the media sometimes. But I feel bad; he's always defending somebody he doesn't want to defend. It's <laughs> a poor guy. I mean, he's like, you know, I feel like, and you're there, so I feel like he takes people off the side and says, you know, Ben's a, you know what, and yeah, he, I don't want to defend this guy. Well, you He you're doesn't right. want to and defend it, Matisse Thibeault, but yeah, he you're has right. to.
7: But this has been. This has been constant since they, they they traded for Andrew Bynum. You know, yeah. this, this goes to the top. This is what Josh Harris has created in the Philadelphia 76ers umbrella or culture. It's let's pretend there's not a problem. Let's placate everyone that we, we don't want to not even offend, but evaluate. And it's been true with Joel. It was true with Ben. It was true with Markel Fultz. It was, you just go down the line. These these guys could do no wrong. It's the emperor has no clothes. And you're just sitting there in front of them saying, I either feel sorry for you or you disgust me because, <laughs> you know, you feel like you can't not lie or you're willfully lying. You know, I was the guy that got jumped before game seven of the uh, uh, playoff series last year against the Hawks for suggesting that, um, that uh Tyrese Maxey start that game either in place of or alongside Ben. Maybe you sit uh, uh, Seth Curry. You know, Danny Green was hurt. And Doc, you know, you don't know basketball. You don't know this. You don't know that. <laughs> so that was the last game of the season. A week later, Doc issued an edict. He had all the same guys coming back. Doc issued an edict to his assistant coaches. We have to find a way to, to make Tyrese Maxey a starter in this lineup.
2: <laughs> uh, well, Marcus, if you got that yeah. ball rolling, we'll say thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and Tyrese that, has been pretty good, huh? <laughs> and we'll also say thank you very much for hopping on with us today. Always a pleasure, bud. Appreciate you mixing it up with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Mike. And not afraid to give you his opinion. No, I love I
0: love Marcus Gibson's opinion. That's great. So hey. we went long, but I had to get – I had because I knew – well, he wrote a great column on Matisse, uh, so I knew he had a he had a great take on that. But I, I wanted to get his Kershaw, because Kershaw bothers me. That bothers me, Jody. You know, I, I got in a wormhole. You're a baseball guy. I know we got to get the break, because we got Rob coming up. Nolan Ryan once threw 235 pitches in a 13-inning game, pitched three days later on three days rest, won the game. And oh, by
2: the way, I don't know, he pitched two decades? I more than two decades, John. Yeah, I could spend uh, the next thirty-five minutes telling you Nolan Ryan stories from back in the day. Unfortunately, John, we're not back in. Yeah, the day we're not anymore. going
0: back. Two hundred and thirty. No. I thought it was a misprint.
2: I, I, because I'm like, what?
0: No, it was real. Two hundred and thirty-five. pitches yeah. struck out yeah.
2: nineteen batters. Those days are long gone and they're not coming back. But we are coming back. We got to take a quickie timeout, come back. You got Macamac on Birds 365.
3: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
2: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking
3: with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
5: field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
6: go for the midnight dares go for the memories go for the view it goes on forever go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink go to bed whenever you want or don't Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Where Johnny Mackley asked them to like, share, and subscribe. We could use your help. We appreciate your fandom. We appreciate your being uh, an individual who joins us uh, from time to time, Join us more often. And when you're here, do the right thing by your boys even though some people will probably say, not if the market says, I'm sorry, I like Marcus. I love Marcus. I Marcus disagree them with opinion. him a lot, not a but while. it's fun to disagree yes. with him and get into it. And yeah. we did that with markets, which is why we have markets on. Always. I like uh,
0: opinionated people who aren't afraid to give their opinion because too many people are afraid these days. But yeah, so I got into some non-Eagle stuff, but it's fun every once in a while. You got to yeah. throw that in there. Chris Alabe visiting today. There's your Eagle stuff. Chris uh, Alabe.
2: Ooh, that's a good name to, to know that they're bringing in. Uh, but I, I want to get a, a football point in, potentially Eagle-related, because it was something we talked about with Marcus. Um, no, you and I have talked about this before. I know this, I, this is not breaking news, but people have postulated the churn of quarterback in the National Football League, that the price – of playing poker at the quarterback position. And it's not just the, the hard number of 50 million plus. It's even more important, the percentage of the salary cap you're going to dedicate to the quarterback position. It just continues to go up and up and up and up and up. And some have said, maybe the better way to do it is you draft a quarterback for, the, uh, for five years. And then when the fifth year comes, you say, okay, see you later, bye. And you just draft another quarterback. And you go back down I've that been in again. that
0: camp. I think that might be the way to go. But I forget who brought it up. I think it was Ben Solak. So if it wasn't, I apologize. But, you know, he, he did bring up a good point that, and I kind of said this with Marcus a little bit earlier, we just assume Jalen Hurts is good with it because he's proven to be good with it at this point. And I'm at the point where I'm going to start to say, well, that doesn't mean he's always going to be good with it. But from a larger standpoint, if you take that college model, what are the odds that you're going to get a Jalen Hurts type, a Jalen Hurts type, a Jalen Hurts type uh, all in a row versus the Carson Wentz type personality or the Baker Mayfield type personality, which is what I brought up with Marcus, right. who's you know out there saying he got no respect from the Browns and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's how – that's more likely – then getting a Jalen Hurts who just keeps his head down and goes to work and pretends he doesn't hear all the rumors, which you know he hears. It's unlikely you're going to get another Jalen Hurts as you continue to flip this thing over.
2: Here's where uh, I'll agree with the potential thought process, but flip it positionally a little bit. Not the quarterback. Because I do think there's a build up time. You got to go through uh, startup costs, as your buddy, the former defense coordinator, used to describe it. Oh, yeah, you got to do that at the quarterback position as well. So it's not really a five year period, it's more a four year period. How about that becomes the way of doing business at the wide receiver? Well, position? it's going to have to because the Eagles we... aren't getting involved, man. We've, we've talked about the blow-up of the wide receiver. You think the quarterback money has gone up, the wide receiver money has gone up faster and quicker and a bigger percentage than even the quarterback position. Maybe that's how you handle wideout. You draft the guy, you keep him for five years, you say, thank you very much, let him go sign his $25, dollars million dollar deal way, with somebody else, and you yeah. draft the next stud wide receiver with your first-round pick the year. In out. a lot
0: of ways, that's already what teams are doing at running back right now. You know, uh, rarely do you get to a second contract. And when you do, it seems like those teams are always haranguing about it uh, and upset about it, like the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, So, yeah. and, And, you know, I'm with the Eagles on this one because I don't think any receiver is worth it for this reason, Jody. And I say it all the time. I'm not dismissing Demonte Adams. I think he's a phenomenal player. Tyree kill tremendous step on Diggs, I love them. All these are great players, but they're dependent on quarterbacks be, yep. to get them to p- the football. I I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain Tyreek kill. Isn't going to be happy in Miami. Maybe he's happy off the field on the field. He's not going to be happy. Um, Devonte Adams. And eh, Derek Carr, I think, is capable of doing some things, but it's not going to be like it was in Green Bay. So we'll see how that shakes out. They're, those two are very close off the field. Um, Buffalo's in a little bit of a better situation because they already have it. They have the quarterback and the receiver. So I think that'll be fine. But, you know, let's say the Eagles trade for A.J. Brown or T.K. Medcalf or, or Debo Samuel. And they give them the extension, and they give them twenty five million dollars. They don't. They don't have that. They don't have that vehicle to get them the football consistently right now. Um, so I'm with the Eagles. I'm going, and it's a shift. They're they're going to play this up like if they draft bad, Jamie. I what did I tell you about top thirty visits yesterday, Jody? I said pay attention to the positions, not necessarily the players. Right. The cluster of positions. Jamison Williams is in. Chris Olave is in now. Uh, Pickens from Georgia is in. Over the past three days, they've had three receivers. Um, This is the way they're going. It's not the way they wanted to go. They wanted a more veteran presence, but this is the way they have to go. And maybe it works out in the end. Maybe it's better to be lucky than good. And
2: I don't think that's an unreasonable way to – uh, do your positional breakout for a decade because uh, we always, the only thing that matters is two weeks from now, day one of the NFL draft. All well, the Eagles already showed you they've got more of an eye on the future than some other teams by doing a deal that they did with uh, the Saints. Jeff Flory came out. the One of the very few times we get to hear from Jeff Flory, it says we need to worry about the present and the future. So they tip their hand as to their line of thinking the turnover, the wide receiver position every four or five years is not an outrageous way of doing things. Uh, I think it's actually more applicable than the quarterback position. Cause I think you need to invest some time in a quarterback to start, which makes the turnaround cost even that much more on the back end. I, I would not be surprised if the Eagles go exactly the way we're talking about here. All right. mcmona and McDonald taking a quickie timeout. Our bud, Rob Marty hasn't been with us in about a month. I always check my uh, tax when I, oh shoot, Marty hasn't been on a month. Damn, we got to get him back on. So we're going to do just that. Uh, Former Philly guy living down in Florida these days. Don't kid yourself. He still knows plenty of Eagles. Rob Marty from the Associated Press is going to be with us next on Verge 365.
3: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
2: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but
0: to
3: be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
5: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you, because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
6: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with Young Merge 365. We're lucky enough to get uh, one of our favorite guests up on this Thursday edition, uh, Philly guy who's kind of relocated to South Florida, but damn if he doesn't show up at the Eagles all the time. Anyway, get on that plane, come back here and do some Eagle stuff. Our buddy Rob Motti, who, as I say, is a Florida guy. So I'm going to start there with you, Rob, because um, I know you're only a hop's given a jump from the Bucks, so you got a good feel on them. I threw this question by a couple of NFL guys that I've had either here with us on Birch 365 or on my national CBS show. Zero to 100 percent. Zero meaning, what are you even talking about, Jody? 100 percent being, oh, yeah, I'm damn sure. What percentage did Tom Brady have in Bruce Arians becoming the ex-head coach of the Tampa Bay
1: Buccaneers? Jody, I'll say 100 percent, but not from the perspective or the angle that most are thinking or feeling, but Bruce Arians himself said, right? He said, the fact that Brady was coming back allowed him to to move on and feel that he's turning the team over in a position where Todd Bowles can win a Super Bowl. So from that respect, yes, no, Tom no, Brady. No. Pushed, right. yeah, pushed, you're pushed, spinning it on me. No, I uh, wanted
2: did Brady go enough. in and tell Leona well, let me go, man yeah. out, or I'm not coming back.
0: All right. Hey, let me I mean,
1: <laughs> go ahead, John.
0: Let me go in this direction with you, Rob. Because I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy. But there's this story going around the NFL that the two Michigan men, Stephen Ross and and Tom Brady, had this backdoor plan of faux retirement, and he's going to buy part of the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot of moving parts to this conspiracy. Um, And they were going to backdoor it that way. Tom was going to play in Miami. And one of the reasons Tom was going to go to Miami is because things weren't you know, great with, with Bruce. Um, what, what is your take on the whole conspiracy that this was the original plan from Tom Brady when he decided to say, I'm going to walk away.
1: I don't dismiss it entirely. I I feel like the reporting there has been done. You know, Ben Volan's one of those reporters who obviously is very well connected, has a history with Brady and and his people in New England. And Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk has done a lot of reporting on this. So I I don't want to – I don't think that's something that should be dismissed. I I feel like there were some inklings, there were some signs towards the end of last year that maybe things weren't exactly uh, as cool as people may have wanted it to be. Uh, After the final game, when they lost to the Rams in the playoffs – Levante David I believe it was it was either Levante David or Devin White one of the linebackers I I forget which one alluded to um some issues within the locker room but when pressed on it the following day he, he kind of downplayed it because his comments were uh taken as hmm what was going on there was it was it was it Brady and the Arians what was happening now some also interpreted that as, well, was the whole Antonio Brown situation. Um, that's, that was an issue within the locker room. Maybe some players did not feel that that was handled the way it should have been handled. It could have been handled better. Uh, maybe if it was a different coach who wasn't as fiery, who, who wasn't a, a, in the way Bruce Arians decided to kick him off. M- maybe that was part of it. I don't, I don't know that Tom necessarily, uh, it, although he never said anything negative about it, I don't think uh, he could not have been happy with that situation for sure. So there's the conspiracy theory is is one that I I think there may be something to it. Now, Brady's under contract this year with the Buccaneers. Uh, Tua Tungavailo is the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. There would have had to have been a trade. He couldn't have just walked away unretired and come back to Miami so there's a lot of pieces and elements to this and and the Bucks had made it clear Arians had said we're not giving him away we're not trading him it's just bad business so there's there's a lot to it that I, I don't know how it could have been pulled off could it happen for next year where he's going to be at he's playing at age 46 yeah if he doesn't restructure and get a contract and he's one and done and he's ready wants to come back Potentially, but what if Tua develops with, with all the weapons that he has? What, what if he actually develops into – and we saw towards the end of last year where he, he may not have been um, an a elite-type Pro Bowl quarterback, but towards the end of last year he put together some solid starts and some excellent games. I think he had consecutive games of 80%-plus completions, and uh, th- that was a step in the right direction. So there's a lot that has to go down. Do I think that Tom Brady could end up in an ownership position In Miami, at some point, yes, I think that could happen.
2: Yeah, well, then I was going to say I disagree with Florio. Now I disagree with Marty. He he, he might not get the chance to get ownership in Miami because Stephen Ross might not be owning Unless Stephen Ross, he's he's doing the partial ownership thing with somebody else other than the guy who's in place right now. Uh, And the whole Florio thing, he gets no credit for Brady because he basically had him in a San Francisco 49er uniform. That didn't happen. Sorry, Mike. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're up on a, uh, Brady tangent. Uh, let me suck you back into the Eagles here, Mr. Marty. I just Who? asked this question of Marcus Hayes. Um, and Marcus is there every day. You're there often enough to have a, an opinion on this year two, Nick Sirianni comes in and as an under, uh, understood head coach, wasn't a hot commodity. They give him the job. He has a year that he has gets the Eagles into the playoffs he has his way of doing things a little different than any Eagle coach who came before him. How solidified is he in that locker room? Is he the man? Do they just accept what he says and his motivation factors because of the first season he has? Is he still in a growing mode? Pardon my roots uh, attempt at humor here. <laughs> um, but where does he sit right now as the guy in charge, year two, head coach, Philadelphia Eagles?
1: I think pretty solid ground because he came in as rookie head coach and led this team to the playoffs despite some rough patches. And although they beat a whole bunch of teams that had losing records, they didn't beat any teams with winning records, and they got disposed of by Brady and the Bucks in the playoffs, that's quite an accomplishment for a first-year head coach in a rebuilding program coming off a 4-11-1 season. I think they're a relatively (laughs) young team. We know that. They're a young team with a lot of guys who – don't have much experience with other head coaches, so Nick Sirianni is is their guy. He's 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 the one who led them to, um, out of the the basement that they were in, and and into the postseason. And I think he's a guy that players can relate to. He's a, a player friendly coach, and and he's someone who, although he's not a a strict tough disciplinarian, not of the uh, Parcells Belichick. Tom Coughlin mode uh, I I think guys really um, can they respect him and 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 he's someone who is although still growing can command that locker room so I think he's on pretty solid ground going into year two and 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 they're they're in a position now where they got to continue to to figure out how, how to get better in a conference and that Although there's a lot of players who have, we saw how the AFC West got better. We saw other teams get better. The Eagles haven't done much this off season. They got to figure out how to. They got to figure out how they can be a contender when other teams have gotten better and they've kind of been like, eh, sitting right there.
0: Well, one of the ways they're going to get better is the draft, obviously, Rob. And we're in top thirty mm. visit season, and uh, Chris Alave – the latest uh, reported visit uh, to the Eagles. Now, I was, I was texting with a GM earlier this week, a former GM, and he I, I was asking about top 30 visits, and he said, you know, pay attention to the positions more than the names uh, because it indicates you're kind of targeting. Well, the Eagles have brought in Alave, Jameson Williams was yesterday, George Pickens from Georgia, more of a second-round pick, but still. Uh, was in earlier in the week. Um, it's a clear indication, annual tradition now here in Philadelphia. <laughs> Eagles are going receiver near the top of the draft. Um, how surprised were you when talking to people around the league, the explosion of the wide receiver salary market? Did that take people by surprise? Because it seems like it took the Eagles by surprise.
1: Yeah, I think so, and, and I had talked to a, a lot of agents who represent some of the better tight ends and, um, last year and then and, and, and a little bit into this year, and, and everyone's waiting for tight ends to get paid the way wide receivers get paid, specifically when Amari Cooper got that contract and uh, and obviously the Cowboys traded him. There was some thought like, hey, this guy's already overpaid, and now they're getting even bigger and, and blowing away Amari Cooper's contract. And I'm waiting for tight ends to catch up because they do, they have such a dual role and are as important, sometimes even more important to an offense when you're talking about guys like Kelsey and Kittle um, and and to some degree when Ertz was uh, having career type numbers and, and awesome years. So there's been, I think a lot of people surprised by what's happening with what the wide receivers getting all, all this ridiculous amount of money. And 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 now we saw that with some of the quarterbacks. They're they're getting Patrick Mahomes got insane dollars. Aaron Rodgers getting a ton of money, and, and all of a sudden they can't afford Devonte Adams. So if you're gonna put invest that much into your wide receivers and into your quarterbacks, and, and I know it's not gonna be as many wide receivers who get that kind of money as quarterbacks who get that kind of money because there just aren't that many the QB position is what it is you got to pay the guy who's going to be behind center but it's going to put teams in a difficult position with the salary cap if you start throwing all of the Tyreek Hill type money Devontae Adams type money uh, whatever Debo Samuel's going to end up getting that's going to be potentially he, he may deserve more than anyone because yeah. of the way his versatility yeah. and how he plays. Like as the Eagles are looking at and thinking about wide receiver, I'd love to see them bring in a guy like Traylon Burks who could be that Debo Samuel type player who's a versatile guy who you can hand the ball to. Um, I, I think he's going to get really paid, and, and, and that's going to be – and I don't know if it's going to be in San Francisco. So um, that, that's going to be the next one for sure.
2: All right, uh, I'm going to be John to the punch. Yeah, except we don't know if the Eagles can use a Traylon Burke type guy because their bubble screen work with Jalen Rager hasn't really worked too well to this point. Uh, but uh, off on a side note, right, here's where I want to go with you, Marty. We're two weeks from day one or night one of the NFL Draft. You would say. Will you be a in Vegas? And if you are, God bless, isn't it the greatest thing to get paid to go to Las Vegas <laughs> to do work and be in Las Vegas? But if not, if you're gonna be home and just watching it, maybe you're going over the bucks to talk to those in charge there. Uh if you were going to be home, do you watch ESPN? Do you watch the NFL network? Do you watch ABC for the personality features? Where is Rob Marty spending his draft time this year?
1: Um I- it's still to be de- determined whether I'm in Vegas, Tampa, or Philly. So I got three options. I, okay. I, I got to pick one right now. I, I think uh, Vegas looks a little bit more intriguing than Philly. Uh, Tampa is home, so uh, it, it's easy to sleep in my own bed uh, after covering a draft. But either way, it's going to be on when, when we're in the, the media room or wherever it is. I, I go NFL Network. Um, I, I'm just an NFL Network guy, and, and I'll probably go – I will go that route. I don't even know what's happening on ABC personality features and, and yeah, all that. Yeah.
0: Oh, all yeah. right,
1: cool. Hopefully. Well, uh, I'm a big
0: DJ guy. So before that right. I was a Mike Mayock guy. So I'm with you. I'm all I'm right. an NFL network guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I were you, I would never leave Tampa. So if that helps. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be an easier decision. So uh, I've. I, coming coming right up on it now we're two weeks away so uh, i gotta i gotta make my plans within a, day, within a day or so that's for sure
0: and everybody's gonna make everybody's gotta make their plans for draft day more importantly the teams themselves so what we look at the eagles now we're we we started at three they make the trade with new orleans they're down to two you know, it's interesting. We talked a little bit, Rob, about the exploding uh, wide receiver numbers. And you brought up the quarterbacks, Derek Carr being the latest mm-hmm. at 40 million plus. Now, and, and you know, Andrew Brandt, our buddy, was on saying that was a bad contract. Considering what Deshaun Watson went, they should have held out for more. I bring this up for this reason, Rob. and And Jody knows I've been asking a lot of people this. And you'll, you'll you can offer uh, a better perspective than most. Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick in, in 2020, so he's eligible for an extension after this upcoming season. Now, if he plays like he did this year, Pro Bowl alternate makes the team, you know, takes the team to the playoffs, what's that worth? in this yeah. In this market... If the Eagles get that at thirty million a year, that would be a bargain, wouldn't it?
1: If if they were see, that's the big question because they're positioning themselves right now with that trade and the two ones for next year and the potential that if they wanted to go in a different direction and I I don't know and clearly they're not convinced on Jalen Hurts no. yet. And and that's understandable because he's He's shown enough to leave you wanting to see more to where you're intrigued, to where you think that this guy's obviously talented. He's got abilities and skills, but he's got areas where he needs to grow and needs to develop and needs to become a guy. You know, I think it's pretty simplistic when we say in in these terms and I, I hear more and more people using these terms. And I've been using it for since the middle of last season at some point. Is he a guy you win because of or is he a guy you win Uh, with and he's been a guy you win with and he's got to develop into someone they win because of so if that doesn't happen this year he could put up nice numbers he could make a pro bowl and and they could still feel at the end of the year that you know what we haven't seen enough from him to where we feel he could be a quarterback that's going to win us a super bowl and and they they go in a different direction so uh, i think you could see there are guys who put up good numbers worthy of, of nice contracts kirk cousins for one right but he ha- he hasn't won a thing uh Carson Wentz 27 and 7 last year when you look on the surface and you look on those numbers 27 and 7s uh pretty good numbers in, in in even today's NFL and he gets traded so um there's going to be a lot of outside the numbers trying to look at uh the development the growth how he can um, handle the offense, how he handles reading the defenses, how he can be a guy who can lead you to deep into the postseason. I think there's a lot of questions still left to be answered about Jalen. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do and how much – to see how much he's grown because th- you you would hope from year one to year two, we saw the growth, year two to yeah. year three. There's yeah. a lot – there's still a lot of room for Jalen Hurts to improve. If he gets there, though, John, if he does get there, 30 is not a crazy number to think uh, of what they would he would be worth, a $30 million a year quarterback, which coming out of the draft is a second-round pick who is supposed to be a Taysom Hill. That's pretty good.
2: I just uh, got a text. It was funny. I got one earlier in the show from Pete Carroll who said – Tell Marcus Say's, don't wait for his Christmas card. I <laughs> uh, just got one here. Says same, same exact thing. Don't wait for the Christmas card for Rob Marty and John McMullen uh, from Mel Kuyper. as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't be waiting by the mailbox for that Christmas card this year. Great hair, uh, Mel. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: all right. Uh, are you ready, Rob Marty, for the return of Derek Barnett and playing 50% of the snaps? for the philadelphia eagles this year because if they're going to use a wide receiver position at number 15 they're bringing them all in and they haven't brought in a bunch of at least first round level talent guys at the defensive end position that's where most of us thought would be the number one eagles have options but defensive end would be the spot where they try and address if the five best are off the board and they don't think they can do the medical wait on a jobo thing? They wait till the second round. The guy's off the board. They gotta wait till the third round. Are you ready for Derek Barnett taking fifty percent of the snaps again this year?
1: It's always him, Jody. It's all—it's always DB, right? It's—it's. It's I'm ready for Derek Barnett. I, I think that he, as a rotational piece, the value that they were able to bring him in at—I don't hate the move. I—I I think he gives you a little bit more depth and if it allows them to go in a different direction early in the first round and bring in a wide receiver and and, and add more weapons for Jalen Hurts, I think that's actually beneficial because I want to see, I want to get an answer on Jalen and I want to see him surrounded by as much talent as possible to help develop him and get that answer. So if that's at the expense of having to watch Derek Barnett jump off sides and commit a late, Uh, penalty at some point probably at a critical juncture of a game early in the season whatever it may be and we always uh, we're going to always turn and look in Nick Sirianni and see how he responds and reacts and now that he knows he's going to say something positive because that's that's how Nick is and he knows uh, his audience so uh, I'm fine with Derek Barnett.
0: Yeah you know you you, the Eagles are going to spin it like this Rob and the fact that well, defense can help the offense, and they brought in Hassan Reddick and Kaiser White, and they're going to get, in theory, better on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and that's going to help Jalen Hurts with field position. But when we all heard that you got to build up around Jalen Hurts, we were thinking it's more than Zach Pascal, right? Now, <laughs> now, they're going to get a wide receiver pretty high in the yeah. draft. They're going to get a running back, I think, you know, probably day three. And there'll be some good ones because of the devaluation of that position. But you're right. I mean, how do you evaluate, evaluate a kid when you have a second-year receiver in, in Devontae Smith, a third-year receiver in Quez Watkins, who are who are very young and still developing themselves, and the Eagles, by their action, said, well, we went after Calvin Ridley. It didn't work out. Tried to sign Christian Kirk. They got outpriced in the market. Allen Robinson, they got beat by the Super Bowl champions. Robert Woods didn't want to come here. They wanted a veteran receiver, but now they have to shift towards another younger receiver. Devontae even said, I could use some veteran Mentorship. You don't want to. You want Devonte being mentored, not being the mentee of, you know, a new receiver. How does this help Jalen Hurts?
1: Yeah, and it's certainly Greg Ward isn't that guy who's going to be able to, <clears throat> although help guys in in different ways. He he hasn't had that success on the field to be the veteran mentor who's been there and accomplished that he, he's a guy who's been able to hang on to the roster for many years and he's the only he's the veteran and now Zach Pascal I know a lot of people are giving up on Jalen Rieger as long as he's still on the roster and, and that may be something that changes he could be part of a trade on, on draft day or whatever it may be uh, I I feel maybe there's a way to you know I, I talked about Traylon Burks as being a guy that you you want to I like to look at because maybe he could be in a Debo Samuel type. I know they tried a little bit of it with Jalen Rieger, the bubble screens and things like that didn't work. Maybe just pitch the damn ball to Jalen Rieger. Maybe just stick him in the backfield and hand the ball to Jalen Rieger. He's, he's, He's shown that he can be elusive and somewhat of a weapon with the ball in his hands. If he can't get open or can't catch it, literally hand the ball to him he was a first round pick try and get something out hey they they need running back depth let's convert without converting Jalen Rieger and saying you're uh, in You're go to hang out in the running backs room and watch film with them he make him into the Debo Samuel type just to give them uh, some usage out of this guy and and yeah they're still going to end up bringing in a wide receiver early but that isn't a veteran guy like you said it's not the Calvin Ridley and it's not um, anyone to Allen Robinson's or anyone who's going to be able to be a mentor for Devontae Smith. And I think that is important. Now, in this in, in this NFL and the way guys are now, people, uh, they're, they're hanging out with players on other teams. They're spending their offseason working out together. I think Devontae Smith can get that mentorship and that those the advice that he needs from wide receivers, not on the Eagles, from guys he looks up to around the league. I think that's available to him. I talked to a lot of players who uh, the NFL just did a, a, a mentorship program, actually, a couple of weeks ago. And, and some of the former players and some of the guys who are still in the league, I spoke to Kelvin Beecham about it. So there's that kind of program. He's not, he, he may not be getting it on a daily basis in the locker room, but he could get it outside. I, I would have loved to see them make it happen for him. And, and they didn't, doesn't mean it it won't. There's still the possibility that you can, You know, like the the way they've always brought in secondary help later in the summer, the July, the August, the Ronald Darby trade, uh, there's still always a possibility somebody becomes available that's intriguing enough, but if they're going to go wide receiver early in the draft, that's going to decrease that possibility that they go to veteran route.
2: All right. Uh, The reason I'm not cutting some of the young Eagle wide receivers as much slack as it sounds like you guys are, not keeping Jamar Chase from doing what he's doing, Not keeping Justin Jefferson for doing what he's doing or C.D. Lamb from doing what he's doing. So we've got other receivers around the league who are putting up much gaudier numbers than the Eagles. Young receivers. Keep up with the Joneses there, boys. I Rob, last thing, because I know you're a football wonk, just like uh, John and myself. Following the draft, you start checking mocks mid-season as to who are the top-ranked guys, and we're following it all the way right up until now, which is two weeks before the draft. There's no consensus on anybody, including from the number one pick on down. Any mock you go to, it could be any one of three or four guys who are the number one pick, and then that affects number two and five and so on and so forth down the line. It seems like there are varying opinions this year on these players and we know where the Eagles sit and they're not going to get a top 14 player. They're going to get 15 and 19 as of right now. Why do you think that is? Is it just one of those years? Is there misinformation floating out there? The teams are desperately trying to cover up and keep away from other teams information on what they're doing. It seems to me, and I've been doing this junk for a long time, Less agreement on the level of players in this year's draft. And yeah, I'm talking about basically the first round than any year before that. Why do you think that is? Do you even agree with my statement?
1: No, yeah, I I do because I've seen such a a wide um, consensus of of, of, there isn't a consensus, right? Right. There's a wide ranging. Um, even when you look at the, when you look at the quarterbacks, there's, is Kenny Pickett going to be a top 10 guy? Is he going to be a top 15 to 20? Where, where's he going to be? Who's going to be the top quarterback taken? Uh, who's going to be the top player taken? Uh, I, I think maybe the pandemic played a little bit in this because of the, the role of uh, the, the way teams were not able to practice the way some players, uh, some, some players did not play and, and, and how 2020 just upended everything, right? That may play a little bit of a role in it. I think there's got to be also somewhat of gamesmanship where you don't, you know, you, the, mo, the more information is misinformation, I feel. When, when you're getting a ton of information, I, I think that's often teams trying to lead other people to think that they may be interested or they may want somebody, so when you keep things closer to the vest, uh, and I've always thought that's the best way to do it, but the more you hear and, and the more that's talked about, I think a lot of info turns into misinfo, and, and then um, people are just trying to, to to keep what they want to do, who they really like, uh, closer to uh, the vest. And there's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be still, even though the Eagles and the Saints upended the the first round with that that blockbuster of a deal, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing this year. I think this is a draft where teams may look to move down because the, there isn't, so, you know, you look at a team like the Carolina Panthers who are in need of a quarterback and at this, with a sixth pick in a draft, they could pretty much probably have anybody they want, maybe one, maybe Malik Willis is off the board. I don't know yet uh, who's off the board or they could have anyone, but they don't have a second or third round pick and they have a lot of flaws. Maybe they move down and still get their quarterback. So I think there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing uh, in this draft, maybe more so than we've seen in years past
0: most important question for last as always rob before that at rob Montty you see it there follow him on twitter the AP pro football podcast you got uh, faith on You and follow rob there um so you got to on the podcast uh <laughs> did you get any driveway workout tips i know he's he, what is he? he's 40 he's got to be 48 48 yeah, he 50 he's 50?
1: He's, um, no, he's, he, he's 48
0: yeah uh band controlled football he's trying to get back on the field uh what how's t o doing
1: t, t. O. still man he, he's fun he's he's one of the more entertaining guys to to talk to and he yeah I, I thought it was crazy sitting there he's like yeah I spoke to an AFC team the owner called me last year told me to stay in shape I spoke to the GM and I spoke to the coach last year at age 47 and I'm thinking to myself like come on Like, and and then he later says it to someone else in a different interview he said that he was blowing up Andy Reid's phone trying to get on the field with them I wouldn't – it wouldn't shock me if T.O. could go out there in as great a shape as he's in, man. He's a freaking nature. Tom Brady's doing it at age 45. I think T.O. could still run out there and catch 50 balls for a 1,000 yards at age 48. He's just an an incredible physical specimen, and he's just a fun dude to be around. You know, I I always thought he was misunderstood, guys. uh, For all of the the craziness uh, of T.O., he was never – he's never been in trouble he's never been in any legal trouble that we know of and and he's always kept himself um you know on on that side of the law and and i I think you know he always brings that up too (laughs) he's always going to tell you they said this this that and that about me i never got arrested i never did this Well, no kudos to you you shouldn't be (laughs) you (laughs) know nobody gets
0: that's a a low bar but yeah kudos.
2: (laughs) i'm not a felon yeah way to go t.o (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, more, yeah. Even more importantly, Robbie, and we got to wrap this up. Uh, speaking <laughs> of freak of nature, what are you curling these days?
1: No, man. So uh, at one point I was in the worst shape of my life about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I was like, this is I got to get back. In there, I got to do some things. Uh, a Whole thirty diet, just dropped nine pounds. I could see two of the six packs. I see two of them. I don't <laughs> think I'll ever get the other four. I don't think I can ever get there. I like my sweets, but
3: uh,
1: <laughs> I'm getting there. Uh, I got a little shoulder shoulder thing situation, little rotator cuff injury. So uh, the most I ever most I ever benched was three sixty five, but I'm nowhere near that anymore. Nowhere near it. I'm doing. That's pretty good. I got got, got
0: 225 up once when I was like 20, 21 years old.
2: (laughs) The the only thing I've even been trying these days are 12-ounce curls. Uh, And I'll be doing more of them because girls are away this weekend. So I'm planning (laughs) on doing a lot of 12-ounce curls here at Shea McDonald. Uh, Marty, man, always a pleasure, bud. Uh, Your tan's looking good. You're looking pretty cut. Always good to uh, catch up with your buddy. And we'll do it again after the draft. If you get to Vegas, play red. When in doubt, play red. All right, <laughs> you got
1: it. I'll play for you. Thank you, fellas. Have a great week. Rob
2: Marty, Associated man. Press, here with us on Birds uh, 365. Yeah, nothing better than getting paid to go to Vegas. I hope Rob uh, weasels his way into that assignment. All right, we got we got an assignment left. Mac and Mac coming back to put a bow on the show.
3: imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home you were catastrophically injured your life and your family's life that's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little
2: I was scared of what the end was going to be but to be 100% honest with you I knew
3: I was going to be alright just by talking with Brian in my heart I just knew everything was going to be alright call the firm and find out why they say we got this call 215-458-2222
5: field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
6: go for the midnight dares go for the memories go for the view it goes on forever go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink go to bed whenever you want or don't Go for him, go for her, go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: Another uh, successful Thursday show. Successful because we had two good guests. Thank both Marcus Hayes and Rob Motti for hopping on board. I'd, uh, right before Rob came on, you noticed and uh, put it out there that the Eagles are bringing another wide receiver in in their pre-draft visits. Well, They're more than halfway through now. I think they're sneaking up on 20 out of 30 that they've already had if the reporting is accurate, which I'm sure that it is. Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State, coming in after Jamison Williams had come in. When's your boy, Traylon Burks, coming in, Johnny Mack? You told us a couple weeks ago you thought he was a guy who fit and the Eagles should have interest in. If they're going heavy wide receiver, at least on the visit end, when is Burks coming in?
0: Well, uh, you know, I kind of soured on Burks for the Eagles for the reasons I've kind of explained with – Uh, Debo Samuel type and Rob brought up that Debo Samuel like a lot of people in the NFL say that and I you know the Eagles said it about Jalen Rager not Debo was Tyree Kill like Um, which is even more laughable (laughs) so I always say you know I I wouldn't want the Eagles to draft Traylon Burks because I don't think they would use him correctly number one or they haven't shown me the ability to do that maybe it changes with the player who can do it Maybe Jalen Rager just can't do it. You know that's a possibility as well. Um, so, but as I said, with the visits, I said it pretty consistently. It's not the names; it's the positions. Maybe Man. they have all their information locked down on Trey Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're not interested. Uh, but generally, guys who are brought in, you don't. You, there's a missing picture. There's a missing piece of the puzzle. Could be. Injury-related with Jameson Williams. They might want to see where he is along from the torn ACL. Uh, Maybe they didn't get to talk to him enough at the Combine or Pro Days or what have you. So it's not necessarily 30 players we're targeting to draft. It's 30 players that we need more information on. So I I wouldn't be high on Traylon Burks to the Eagles. I would go in a different direction. I think they need a more well-rounded receiver, a guy who can run routes and get separation. Um, But that's me. Um, Who
2: knows where they are? If there is a wide receiver left for them to bring in, uh, playing to what you just said about it being a fact-finding mission as much as it is a scouting mission, I'd want to see London because he missed the end of the season, too. That's why they brought Jamison Williams in to make sure the rehab is going the way it was. Same thing happened with London. He missed the tail end of the season because of... Yeah, his um, pro
0: day's late. He hasn't had his pro day. It's coming up. It might be tomorrow. I have to check on that. They are right, having a I'm really Because I'm sure he wanted to do the
2: most he could yeah. do, so he wanted to give himself as much lag time as possible from the injury. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a guy I'd like to see the Eagles bring in and then maybe draft him. I don't know if they should or shouldn't draft him, I kind of like Garrett Wilson better, but I think I know what I know about Garrett Wilson, and I hope the Eagles know what they know about Garrett Wilson. Maybe something uh, from a London meeting could tell you more that you need to know. Maybe it even moves the needle on you. All right, we'll try and move the needle again tomorrow. We got two good guests coming your way. Game day Kratz. It's a Friday, so we'll punch Eddie Kratz up. And uh, Vinny Serato, our pal, former general manager of the Washington Redskins, talk show host down uh, in uh, Baltimore these days will also hop aboard with us. Uh, partner, what time are you coming over today? I, I, I already got the beer on ice. If you...
0: Yeah, not, I, I got to have more. I got to do my draft stuff, and then I'll be okay. over. Right. Get the beer, beer. Yeah, make sure the beer is on. You,
2: you go write about 22 articles. I'll I'll start on the uh, Barley and 22 beers. early. Yes.
0: You'll be on 22 when I'm done. <laughs> <22.
2: laughs> but we got to sober up. Because 22 hours from now, you'll be right back with us here on Birds 365.
1: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the
2: podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.